Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Man, I am uh, so thankful. It's a beautiful thing to dedicate children to God. It's a beautiful thing to partner with families. How many know that the ministry doesn't start at church? The ministry starts in your home. Um, I tell families, you know, it's one thing to let your kids see you come to church, lift your hands, sing the songs, pray, worship, but it's a whole different thing when they get to see that at home where you are. That is the first space of ministry uh, that we need to, to uh, take authority in is in the home. And so parents, thank you for allowing us to partner with you in the stewardship of the gift God has entrusted to your care. Man, we've been in this series called White Noise. Um, we kicked it off a couple of weeks ago. Uh, enjoyed the first week, and then last week I finished the message and realized that uh, we are, I, I really believe that it's become uh, somewhat prophetic, uh, just, and I, I can sense that not only from the Holy Spirit, but from some of the feedback that I've gotten this past week has been overwhelming. Apparently, we got a lot of negative people in our church. Man, I thought y'all would like laugh, smile. Y'all still negative. We're going we're gonna to preach that one again. No, I'm kidding. We're going to move on um, today. I'm, I'm real excited about today's content. Um, we started in week one talking about just silencing the noise. We know there are external noises that distract us from accomplishing the purpose that God has for us, the life God has for us. And then last week, we, we went a little deeper, and we recognized that sometimes the white noise is not external. Sometimes the white noise is internal, things we're battling with. Uh, we talked about the negativity, and today is also going to be another layer of peeling something back that could be the white noise in your life that is drowning out what God wants to do. And so I want to talk to you about the white noise of trauma, the white noise of trauma. And trauma, believe it or not, it can, and it does keep many people from accomplishing what God has for them. That the pain of what they've walked through sometimes becomes a season that God wants you to exit, but you get stuck in. God wants to bring you to the other side of the event, of the injury, of, of what happened to you, what's going on in you, but a lot of times we get stuck in that season that God wants us to exit. And so I wanna call this message, Healing from Trauma healing from trauma. Now, my prayer today is that you will receive healing from whatever trauma you've experienced, but we got to start with, what is trauma? When we, when we throw that word around, how many of you would say you've heard the word trauma at some level or another over the last month? Anybody heard the word trauma? How about the last year you've heard the word trauma, right? Most of us are very familiar. It is a word that is tossed around much more today than it was when I was growing up. We hear about traumatic events or, or someone suffering with trauma. And a lot of times when we talk about trauma, we, we talk about an event that happened. We talk about an injury that was sustained. We talk about abuse, betrayal, 
maybe even rejection. But technically speaking, trauma is not the event. Trauma is the response to what happens to, in, in an event. It's, it's not so much the injury, but it's, it's how we process the injury. It's not the rejection, it's how we process the rejection. And so to define trauma, I would say trauma is a response to a deeply disturbing or distressing event. Some people think of trauma as physical, kind of like a traumatic injury, uh, a physical injury. But the truth of the matter is that Trauma can be physical, but a lot of times it's much more than physical. Trauma, as it impacts people in a negative way, a lot of times it is emotional. It is mental. It is, it is spiritual in nature, the trauma that they are walking through. And it's so important to remember that the wounds you can't see, the ones you cannot see, oftentimes are, they take longer to heal than the ones you can see. And so with that, with this understanding, I, I know that this is a heavy topic, and I'm going to probably hit on some things today, um, and, and maybe even cause you to think about some things that you don't necessarily want to think about, but I do believe that the end, by the end of the message, we'll arrive at a place where not only we understand we can be healed from trauma, but we can actually arrive on the other side stronger than we were before. And I want to say this real strong. If I did not believe Jesus could heal you from trauma and bring you to a place where you were stronger than you were before, I would stop preaching today and never preach the gospel again. But I believe with all my heart, not only does God want to heal you, God will heal you from trauma and bring you to the other side stronger than you were before. I believe that with everything in me. Now, when it comes to trauma uh, as it relates to you coming to church, obviously you come to church, you're here today. Um, you come to church, you sing the songs, you listen to the sermons, you, many of you will sign up in, in about a month for small groups and you'll do life in the context of community with other people which is all very important um, and, and things that we need to do. But because you come to church and because you um, attend small groups and you're doing life with other believers, inevitably some uh, happy Christian with very good intentions, um, a lot of times when you're, you're dealing with trauma, they're going to quote a Bible verse at you. Okay? And I'm not against quoting a Bible verse. The Bible is what we need to quote, quote. It's what we need to stand on. But inevitably, if you've gone through deep hurt, okay, I'm talking to people who have really been hurt, whether it be betrayal, rejection, abuse, rape, what, what, whatever it is, a deep wound in them. If, you're, if that is raw in your life, it, it is new in your life, uh, or it's something you suppressed and you've never, ever dealt with it, and you begin to open up, and someone immediately, as soon as you open up, they quote Romans chapter 8, verse 28 to you. Y'all know where I'm going, right? We know the verse. This is what a lot of well-meaning Christians will do. Uh, you, you'll say, I'm broken. I'll, I'm ready to jump off the bridge. And what do they, they want? They want to quote this one. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. Now, before you throw a stone at me, I believe in the power of that verse. I believe it's an important truth. 
I believe it's a life-changing truth, but I also know that if, if, if you are dealing with trauma and you are struggling uh, to work through some deep wounds, you may not be ready to hear that verse in the moment. Can, can I get an amen right there? Like in the moment, like if you've not processed it, you're not healed, it's hard to just arrive at a place where you believe that this trauma is somehow going to work for my good. Because when you're in the middle of it, how many of you understand if you've been truly traumatized, it's hard to see that God could somehow utilize this horrific event in my life to produce something good. That does not negate the fact that God will use the, the worst things in your life for something good, but sometimes we're not prepared to hear that if we've not been healed of our trauma. And some of us, you grew up in a time like when I grew up. Um, I grew up in a time, uh, I, I'm 40, how old am I? 40, 46, 46. Um, just turned 46. It's the new 29, so... How many know it's all just a number and it's all a mindset, right? Um, but some of you grew up around the time like I did. You grew up in a time that if you got hurt, um, I don't know how it was at your house. At my house, if you got hurt, rub some dirt on it. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Rub a little dirt on it. You're bleeding like it's gushing. You got to open like gushing of blood. Rub a little dirt on it. Get back out there, right? Everything was about whether it was a physical injury or somebody hurt your feelings. It didn't matter. It, the mindset was get over it. That was what we were told to do. Whether it was a physical injury or an emotional injury, we were just encouraged to get over it. Leave it alone. Get past it. Move on. And what I've grown to learn is that you don't just get over trauma. You don't just get over it. You don't just move past it. When it comes to trauma, you got to be healed of it. It's not a rub a little dirt on it and move on. You've got to be healed of that. You need God to do a deep work in you. Um, and so I want to build on this foundational understanding of what trauma is. I want to show you some scripture, and I know without a doubt, when I gave the altar call at 9 o'clock, the altars were filled, filled with people that wanted to acknowledge their trauma, but also seek God for healing in that area. And I believe that God wants to do a work in this place today. But let's look at the three different types of trauma real quick. And then we're going to get to some scripture that I think is going to bless you today. Um, the first type of trauma is acute trauma. What is acute trauma? Acute trauma is a response from a one-time traumatic event. Maybe you were in a horrible car accident or you survived a, a natural disaster if you're in the Midwest, it could have been a tornado. Uh, if you live in Florida, a hurricane. West Virginia in 2016, a flood. Uh, something dangerous, you survived, but it was traumatic. It could be the loss of a loved one. They were here one day, uh, everything was good, but there was a sudden loss. It was an event. You can pinpoint the event. The next day, they were no longer here. and It was traumatic for you. It could be you lost a business in the middle of COVID. You had a business, COVID hit, then you lost your business. And it was a, an event, you survived it, but it was traumatic what you walked through. That is acute trauma. There's a second level called chronic trauma. 
chronic trauma. What is chronic trauma? It is a long-term response from prolonged, prolonged or repeated events. It's not a one-time event. For example, some of you may have been bullied through junior high school for two or three years solid. That would be considered chronic trauma. Some of you may have been raised in a home where there was drug abuse. You lived in an environment that never felt safe. That, that's not acute trauma, that is chronic trauma. For some of you, you've, you were sexually abused. Not one time, but multiple times. And often by somebody that should have been protecting you instead of harming you. That, that, that was a prolonged season in your life. For some of you, it, it's the next level. It's, it's complex trauma. It's the third level of trauma. What is complex trauma? This is a response to multiple and ongoing events. This is when you're raised in a home or you're married to someone and you, and you see some combination of all these things and it's still happening in your life even presently. It could be chemical abuse, emotional abuse, physical abuse. Um, and, and what happens with, with these long seasons of trauma in a person's life, if they're raised in environments where there's physical and sexual abuse or uh, em emotional abuse, how many know not all abuse is physical? Sometimes abuse is, is the emotional entanglement of it, the controlling aspects of one personality against another that create environments. And, and when you're in that for prolonged seasons, it begins to um, change your perspective of everything. It changes the way you see people. It changes the way some people view God. Some people don't trust God because they've only known people they couldn't trust. And they, they begin to project that onto their relationship with God. If I can't trust my parents, if I can't trust my siblings, if I can't trust my spouse, how do I know that I can trust God? And it begins to change how we see people, how we see God, and it changes our outlook on life. When it comes to trauma, whether you've experienced acute or chronic or complex, the goal is not to compare your trauma with someone else's. Your goal is to simply seek healing for what you've gone through. It's not about saying, well, they, they haven't had it as bad as, as me or they had it worse than me. It's about if you recognize that I've gone through something traumatic and I am now dealing with negative responses, responses to what I've gone through, I must seek God for healing. For some of you, it might be that, that, that someone hurts you and, and you don't know how at this point. The trauma for you is, I don't know how to trust people or I don't know how to trust God. Or maybe you grew up in an environment of poverty and, and that, that created in you this dysfunctional uh, mindset when it comes to money that you'll never have enough. You're always thinking we'll, we'll, we'll be in want. We'll, we won't have enough money for our family. Or maybe something was done to you and you worry now that that same thing will happen to your kids. And the question becomes, how do we heal from trauma? How do we actually heal from it? And I want to go to the Word of God and I want to talk to you about an individual that you probably would not associate this man and his ministry with trauma. You would probably not put the Apostle Paul uh, in the same sentence as trauma. But the Apostle Paul went through some difficult things. 
We know that uh, he went through some difficult things, but he also wrote about two-thirds of the New Testament. He planted churches. He raised up leaders. He, he uh, was an apostle uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. He, he did some great things. He's the one who quoted, um, to live is Christ, to die is gain. But he experienced acute, chronic, and complex trauma. And I want you to see what God did in the Apostle Paul's life to bring healing through him and make, brought him to a place where he was stronger on the other side. If you don't know the story of the Apostle Paul, he started out, uh, his name was Saul, and he was uh, persecuting the church. And when I say persecuting the church, I mean killing Christians. And in killing Christians, he thought that he was doing God a service, that he was doing God a favor. Um, and the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 9 that a light from heaven knocked Saul off of his horse onto the ground. Now, uh, I don't know what kind of light it, it is that would knock you off your horse onto the ground, but elementary school taught me that lightning could do that to you. So we'll just say a bolt of lightning hit Saul, knocked him to the ground, all right? How many of even that in and of itself is traumatic, like, if you're walking down the road and get struck by lightning and then God begins to speak to you, how many would admit that's a little bit traumatic, right? And when God spoke to, to Saul, the lightning hits him, knocks him to the ground, and God doesn't say, hello, my chosen servant, I have called you. That's not what happens. He knocks him to the ground with the lightning, and then a voice from heaven begins to speak, and the voice is not very generous in the moment. The voice is, why are you persecuting me? That's what God spoke to him. Why are you persecuting me? So he knocks him to the ground with lightning. He says, why are you persecuting me? And the Bible tells us that Saul was blind after this experience for three days. Even his salvation experience was traumatic in the life of, of, of Saul, who became the Apostle Paul. He was a Christian killer. He became, though, a killer Christian preacher. Can we give God a hand that he can take your story and turn it around? He, he becomes this gospel preacher. But after he's saved and he's called by God, you would think that after he knocked him off the horse, after he's, he's, he's struck with blindness for three days before God heals him, and after God asks him, why are you persecuting me, that after, you know, Paul responds in a, in a positive way to all this, that the good news would have been that God rewarded him with a great salary and great benefits. That's not what happened. The Apostle Paul was not rewarded with a great salary and benefits, none of that, for the rest of his life, from this moment moving forward, he endured prolific abuse, running for his life, exited city after city after city. Why, 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 why did that happen, Pastor Jeff? Because people were consistently trying to kill him. Everywhere he went, you can document Acts 9, Damascus, it happened. Antioch in Acts 13. Iconium in, in Lystra in Acts 14. Thessalonica in Acts 17. Berea in Acts 17. Corinth in Acts 18. Jerusalem in Acts 21. Just to name a few of the places that when Paul got there, people were trying to kill him. He spent a large part of his ministry having to run 
for his life. He endured ongoing severe trauma, but he healed from it, and he accomplished the assignment God had given him to do. And so with that, I want to give you three responses to trauma today so that we can arrive at a stronger place. Number one, we process the pain of our trauma. I know the generation that says rub a little dirt on it or just get over it or just get past it. Listen, if you just try to get past it or rub a little dirt on whatever the injury was, whatever your negative responses are, you're not going to heal from it because you don't heal when you ignore the wound. You do not heal when you suppress the wound. You do not heal when you try to forget the wound. We have to first acknowledge the pain of what we've walked through. And one of the worst things we can do as leaders within a church and preachers within a church is tell people to ignore their pain, to suppress their pain, to forget about their pain. The kingdom of God, we are to bring our pain to Jesus, acknowledge it, deal with it, and allow God to bring healing to that area. A lot of the people will sit in church for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, and you'll, you'll preach a message like this. They've been in church their whole life, and they've been following Jesus 30 years. They'll come to an altar, and it's like this amazing healing happens in their life that could have happened 30 years ago had they not suppressed it, had they not ignored it, had they not just simply tried to forget what had happened. And for some of you, you got to start right here. you got to acknowledge. you got to be able to say, I was abused. It did happen. Not, not pretending like it didn't happen. Now, since I'm talking about a heavy subject today, I, I've got to go ahead and hit, throw this disclaimer out. Some of you think everything's abuse. Everything is not abuse. Um, just because someone disagrees with you doesn't mean you've been abused. Just because someone corrects you does not mean you've been abused. Just because someone believes different than you do does not mean you've been abused. But for those of you that have been abused, for those of you that are dealing with trauma, you've got to acknowledge this happened. I was abused. I was raped. I was sexually abused. I was, I was abandoned. I was rejected by my parents. I was mistreated. You have to start with acknowledging what happened. Not suppressing it, not ignoring it. One of the reasons why we don't often acknowledge our pain and deal with our pain, we, we like to shut it out. And the reason we like to shut it out is because to acknowledge our pain means to become vulnerable. And if you've ever been hurt deeply or you know someone who's been hurt deeply, the last thing they want to do is let the walls down and become vulnerable again. Every person who is not being healed from a deep wound, they automatically, the natural response is to put up walls, trust no one around you, isolate yourself. But the problem with isolation is we don't heal in isolation, we heal in community. But what do we do when we've been traumatized? We shut people out, we avoid relationships, trusted people that could actually help us navigate a dark season, we keep them at arm's length. Why? Because we don't want to be vulnerable. We, we want to shut everything out, and we want to process it on our own. But we heal together with the people of God. Instead of taking our pain to trusted people, we often push them away. 
And a lot of times, instead of seeking connection, we prioritize protection. And what that means is, is no one can get close to you. And here's what's unfortunate. Not only can no one get close to you, some of us, the, the trauma is so deep that we can't even get closer to God. We, we've got him at a distance. We're not even allowing him to touch the dark places of our soul. How many believe that God can and will get involved in the dark places of your soul and produce healing in your life. Anybody believe that? I, I know this is heavy. Some of y'all like, I wish he'd preach anything but this. Anything but this. And I understand what's happening in this room. Some of you are right now thinking about what you've went through. I understand that. Some of you have tried to suppress it, but now those thoughts of what you've been through is coming back. I, I get that. And I'm not here just to bring you back to a negative place in your mind. I want to bring you to a place where God can produce healing in your life. The challenge is, is that if we ignore the pain, the wound is still there. Secondary problem with that is that everybody copes with something. So if we ignore the pain, ignore the trauma, suppress it, put some dirt on it and move on, we find ways to cope. Some people cope through toxic relationships. Other people, they cope through drugs, alcohol addiction, sex addiction. Other people, they cope because they, they have uh, trauma in their life. They cope with work. You would be surprised how many people, their coping mechanism is they are workaholics. They work all the time. Why? As long as I'm working, I don't have to deal with the issue. Others will cope with food substances, substances, all kinds of things that we will utilize to cope when we don't properly heal. Paul processed his trauma. I'm going to show you a portion of scripture where Paul is writing about his trauma. He's talking about what he's gone through when he's processing the pain in 2 Corinthians chapter number 11. He says, are they servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Continue reading. It says, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. And some of us, we get mad and lose our mind if our coffee's not perfect. He says, I've labored, I've toiled, and I've often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he says this, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life it's, itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. If you've ever been hurt so deeply that you didn't know if you wanted to go on, you need to know that the Apostle Paul felt that numerous times. He's talking about the despair of life, the sentence of death. He's talking about not 
understanding or, or knowing if he had what it took to be able to move forward. What is Paul doing in these scriptures? He is talking about it. He's writing about it. He is processing it. And so I want to encourage you, regardless of, of the event, regardless of what happened to you, that you find a safe space to talk about it. That could be in a small group with someone that you trust. It could be a best friend, that someone that loves Jesus as much as you do. It could be uh, with a pastor here on staff. But everybody needs somebody they can trust to process their pain, acknowledge that it happened. So, because if we don't acknowledge that, that it happened, we can't heal from it. Therefore, we can't move forward forward. So important that you, you acknowledge the pain of trauma. The second thing is we prayerfully press into God with our trauma. We take it to God, we cry out to God, we talk to God. We might even complain to God. How many of you have ever complained to God? Okay, I got a few honest people. The rest of you are going to hell. <laughs> Kidding. He can handle your complaints. He can handle your questions. As a matter of fact, he would much rather you complain in his presence than complain to everybody around you. There's a healthy complaint, and then there's an unhealthy complaint. My complaints will be healthy if I'll take them into the presence of the one who can handle my complaints. I take it to God. I may have to take it again and again. And if you don't know the context of, of the chapter in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul had something that he called a thorn in his flesh. Now, you want to get in a heated debate? Just have a debate about Paul's thorn with Christians. Do it online. Godspeed. You'll have 972 comments all about Paul's thorn because everybody's got a different understanding or opinion about what the thorn Paul had. But what we do know about the thorn is he had a thorn. The thorn was tormenting him. And it seems to me in my own life and in people that I, I talk with and do life with that everybody has a thorn. Raise your hand if you feel like you have a thorn in your life. Anyone at all. You got a thorn. Something, what you say, what a thorn. Let's just define it this way. Something in your life you wish wasn't there. Something that's there that you wish wasn't there. Some of you uh, have a thorn, and you're thinking about Some of you are sitting next to your thorn. I am so kidding right now. Do not go out and quote me on that. That was meant to be a joke. It seems that we all have something that we wish we didn't have, and, and Scripture says Paul did this in 2 Corinthians 12, 8. He said three times... I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Now, one of the things that, that scholars will agree on with this passage of Scripture, when Paul said, I prayed about this three times, it's not like three different days he spent two minutes in prayer about this thorn. This is actually talking about three different seasons that he spent time praying about this thorn that was tormenting, a season, maybe a year long. It could have been a month long. I don't know. It wasn't just a, a five-minute prayer. This was a season of prayer that the Apostle Paul spent three different occasions dealing with this thorn, asking God to take it away from him. And I want you to notice, though, that in that, in the, in the chapter, you can go read it for yourself, he doesn't blame God for, for the thorn, but he took the thorn to God 
He prayed, he pleaded, he begged. In the very same way, you can take your hurt, you can take your pain, you can take your thorn to God, unload on him. You can even say, God, I don't understand why this happened or why you allowed this to happen. God can handle that. How many know, though, that in the presence of God, that is a safe place for you to process the pain of your trauma? It's a safe place to do it. The Bible says that we are to cast our cares upon him because he cares for us. So here's what I've learned about God is that I I, I bring him my praise. That's a good thing. I bring, bring him my offerings. That's a good thing. I bring him my worship. That's a good thing. I bring him my thanksgiving. That's a good thing. I also need to learn how to consistently bring him my pain. The same way I bring him praise, I need to be willing to bring him my pain. Why? Because I don't want to live life not healed from what I walk through. I don't want you to live life not healed of what you have walked through. And everybody in this room has walked through seasons that brought tremendous pain on your life. Some of it may have been your fault. Some of it may not have been your fault. Either way, it was hard. It was traumatic. The good news is God wants you to bring it to him so he can bring healing to your life. Three times he pleaded with God, and God responded to him in 2 Corinthians 12. It says, but God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. We become strong when we take it to the presence of God. And God is saying, my grace is what you need. My grace is sufficient for you. Nothing can change your path. There's nothing anyone can do to change your past, but God can heal your broken heart so that you don't have to carry into your future the pain of your past. Scripture tells us that the Lord is close to those who have a broken heart those who have been crushed, those who are going through a dark season. The scripture is very clear that when you're hurting, when you're broken, God is close. That is an automatic response of God to people who are broken. He is close to them. Anybody thankful that God is close to you in your broken season? I know this is a little heavy. It's going to get a little heavier. Y'all all right? I'm about to wrap this up. I'm going to ask the worship team to come, begin to play something softly for this last point. We've got to acknowledge it. We want to prayerfully take it to God. Number three, we have to pursue purpose in our trauma. We've got to pursue purpose in our trauma. I'm hesitant with this point because if you're hurting right now, you're probably thinking, I'm not ready to talk about purpose. When you've gone through something traumatic, you're usually not connecting it to purpose. You're only connecting it to the pain you feel. And so when somebody comes along and says, hey, God wants to leverage your pain for a purpose, sometimes our response is, as I open the message, we're, I'm not ready for that. I'm not ready to turn this into my purpose just yet. But I want to remind you, Paul had been beaten. He had been shipwrecked, stoned, left for dead, whipped too many times to count. And he says this in 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3 and 4. He says, praise be to the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves received from God. What's he talking about? The Apostle Paul is talking about purpose, that God comforts us with all compassion 
so that we can have purpose in our pain, and ultimately, we will then comfort others with the same comfort we have received. Now, right here at this point of the message, I could take and tell you a hundred stories of how someone who was abused, mistreated, rejected, betrayed, went through a traumatic event, and now they have all these traumatic responses to life. And I could tell you stories about how God healed that and changed the trajectory of their life, and now they're in ministry utilizing the pain of their trauma to make a difference in someone else's life. I could tell you hundreds of stories of that, hundreds of them. But today I want to go a little bit deeper than just telling you a story or a testimony of someone who had been traumatized and they were healed, and now they're in ministry or utilizing it in ministry. I want to speak to you not, not just as a pastor, I want to speak to you as a person, not just as a pastor, because as a pastor, I'm supposed to give you the word, share the testimony, move on. But sometimes I think it's important that the people we, we learn from, the people who feed us the word of God, that sometimes we, we, we take that pastor thing off them and recognize that's a person. And I say that to tell you I'm a person, and I'm only telling you this, not for you to read anything into this at all. I'm telling you that as a person, there has been things happen in my life that I had to walk through that were painful, dark, didn't make sense. I had more questions than I had answers. And I had to walk through that season of pain. I had to acknowledge that it happened. I had to press into God. And ultimately, God always takes the pain and he will use it for a purpose. I'm telling you that as, not, not as your pastor, I'm telling you that as a person who has walked through those seasons. And the truth is, is that many of you are in this room, you're watching online and you're not okay. You say, well, how do I know if I'm not okay? Well, if your responses to what's going on in your life are not biblical responses, but they're, they're, they're dysfunctional responses. And let me give you some examples. You find yourself frustrated more easily. You find yourself angered more easily. You're more critical than you've ever been. You're dissatisfied with life and you're hurting. Listen, I, I bring that to your attention because it's not you, it's something happened to you. Something did happen. And because of that, you are dealing with the trauma of that event. And if you're not okay, listen to me, it's because you're not okay. And it's okay to not be okay, it's just not okay to remain not okay. Have I, have I given too much of a mouthful right here? Like, I, I, I'm trying to get you there. I, but I, I want you to know that, that I grew up in church where you, you were not allowed to say, I'm not okay. Everything was put a smile on, I'm blessed and highly favored, and on the inside you wanted to die. That's the kind of environment I grew up in. Get over, rub some dirt on it. You can't get healed from it because you don't even take five minutes to process it actually happened. 
But until we process it actually happened, we don't give the Holy Spirit the opportunity to do the deep work. And one of the things that has been prophesied over this house for years is not just the physical healing that would take place, but the Holy Spirit would move in and throughout this congregation like a surgery, doing deep work on the hearts of people, healing them from pain that they thought they would never be healed from, and doing surgery on them emotionally and spiritually, and bringing them from a place of pain into a place of purpose. But for that to happen, I've got to acknowledge it. This happened. It hurt. It wasn't fun. I'm acknowledging it happened. I'm pressing into God prayerfully because he wants to heal me. And ultimately, the same comfort God has given me, I'm going to utilize. Man, there's something beautiful about somebody going through a dark, traumatic season being healed. I've watched it. The past year in our church, I've watched people go through that and be healed. And then I, I've watched them. I get to witness them giving that same encouragement and comfort because they're doing it now from a place of healing and now they're offering it to the people around. There's nothing more beautiful than God taking a story that seems broken and that God could never bring anything beautiful. That whole Romans 8, 28 that we don't want to hear in the beginning becomes a very cool verse on the end of a thing when you've been healed and God has set you free and brought you out of a dark season. You start, you're able to say now with conviction that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. His purpose. He turns pain. The only wasted pain in your life is the pain that you don't eventually turn into purpose. If it just remains pain, it's wasted. But what I love about God is He never, ever wastes our pain. He will not waste. You say, well, this season, Pastor, it was just so bad. It won't be wasted. I promise you, it will not be wasted. Every dark thing you've went, went through, things that you like, God, this doesn't make sense. This is not fair. I can't believe you allowed this to happen or let it happen. You had the power to stop it. You didn't stop it. I had to walk through it. There'll come a day you'll look back and say, man, that season was awful. But I thank God he healed me from that season because I would not be what I'm doing now had it not been for that season. If you believe that this morning, I'm way off my notes at this point. You might as well go ahead and give him a praise right there. Come on, give him a real praise if you believe God can turn your pain into purpose. I want you to stand all over the room this morning. God wanted me to tell some people today, it's not just that you can be healed. You can actually become stronger than you've ever been. It's hard to imagine when you're, you're dealing with trauma, how could I ever be stronger? God does beautiful things. He does amazing things. And he will bring you to the other side of this stronger than you've ever been. And I, I wanna give you this line here. I highlighted it so I wouldn't forget it. Your trauma may or may not have been your fault, but pursuing God for healing is your responsibility. It may or may not have been your fault. What happened? May have been your fault, may not have been. That's irrelevant. What's important is it's your responsibility to pursue God for healing, which means I can't play the victim all the days of my life. Some of us, man, we get in that boat of, man, we just, we, people see us, come, here comes the sad story because we remain in a victim mindset. 
People with a victim mindset, that, that's an indicator. I'm speaking prophetic. It's an indicator they have not been healed. Because when you get healed, you're no longer a victim. When you get healed, you're no longer carrying a sad story with you everywhere you go. You may talk about the story, but you don't talk about it through the prism of pain. You talk about it through the prism of healing. This is so good. Pastor, you're doing such a good job right now. You're just, you're killing it. Here's what I want you to do. Totally different altar call. Totally different. I want you to take just a minute right now, right there where you are, and I want you to not bow your head and close your eyes, all that stuff. I want you to look around the room for a minute. Just kind of span the room, look around. Say, why are we doing that? Because in your line of sight are people who are either walking through something traumatic in their life or they've walked through something traumatic in their life. Everybody in this room has gone through dark seasons. Everybody in the room. So I'm going to ask right now, I'm going to ask the prayer team, if you would, to go ahead and get in place. As they're getting in place, I'm going to speak a prayer over you. And then I'm going to ask you to do something when I get finished praying. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, God, that we just thank you that you truly are a good God. You're the Father of all compassion. You comfort us with comfort from heaven so that we can then comfort others with the same comfort you have given to us. Father, I ask that you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would move on the hearts of those who have suffered trauma. You would help them to acknowledge it, bring it to you, and ultimately pursue purpose amid their trauma. God, we ask that you bring healing to your people today in Jesus' name. I want everybody to look up here. Look up here real quick. No heads bowed, no eyes closed. And the reason is because everybody has gone through difficult days. Not a person is exempt. Doesn't matter if you're a good person or a bad person. How many know trouble comes? Traumatic events happen. We go through dark seasons. But if you're in this room today and you say, Pastor, you just preached to me. Regardless of what anybody else got out of this sermon today, what it, you may be here today and you're great. Your life is awesome. We praise God for you. We're thankful. We want to all be awesome, right, church? We want to all be awesome. But some of us today, we're not awesome. We're not doing well. We're frustrated. We have cycles of pain because we've not been healed. But if you feel today that this message was for you, that I preached this message to you, that God ordained you to hear this message because of the season you're in, heads are up, eyes are open. If it was for you, just raise your hand. Look around this room. Hands all over the room. Can we give God a praise for everybody who just acknowledged it was for me? That's powerful. This, that's step one of the sermon. Acknowledge it. Raise your hand again if it was for you. Raise your hand. And we'll put you on the spot. I got to push you a little bit. You say, what's a pastor's job? A pastor's job is to comfort the afflicted, but afflict the comfortable. Right? That's, that's kind of the job description. So you raised your hand. It's a dark season. It's been traumatic. Now, I'm not going to make you wait any longer. Worship team's going to come. I'm going to pray. But right now, I want you to get out of your seat if you raise your hand, and I want you to come and allow one of these prayer partners to partner with you. I'm going to come down and minister to some people as well, but I want you to get out of your seat now. Come on, one, two, three, go. Let's not wait another second. Say, it was my message. It was for me today. 
Come on, I may, I may need some extra prayer, people. Father, we just pray right now in the name of Jesus as we turn this in, God, to an altar today. We turn this sanctuary into an altar for the Holy Spirit to move. God, we ask that you would begin speaking. God, over your people, that you would bring healing to their heart. God, that you would do a deep work in the hearts and lives of every person in this room today. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. You reign supreme in this place. And we ask that you would move in every life and family. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.